to stay in the same vein Pastor Chuck was in last week, staying faithful in a failing culture. And uh, we're going to talk about generations. We're going to talk about impartation this morning. I want to look at um, where Pastor Chuck was last week, but a few chapters back. I want to go to Daniel chapter 1, starting with verse 3. And this is when uh, Israel, the Jews, the Hebrews, they were in captivity to Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar is this evil king that has taken over and taken over Jerusalem. In verse 3, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. Azariah was called Abednego. Now I want you to turn over to chapter 3, starting with verse 7. Now we see what, what just happened there. He got the best young men, trained them. Three years. I'm changing your name. I'm ch- I'm, you're eating our food. You're reading our literature. You're learning our ways. And then they gave Nebuchadnezzar, the egotistical king of Babylon, this idea. Let's build a, let's build a uh, statue and have everyone bow down and worship it. We... If, if, you, if you've been in this church long enough, you've heard the story. But basically, a king said, I'm, he got his head so big, and people blew his head up so big, they said, build a statue and have people bow down and worship this statue, and only this statue. So at the sound, in verse 7, so at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews, because they were Three guys that didn't stand up. Amen. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down to work and worship the gold statue. When they hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes. If we have any zither players in here, let Pastor Porter know we need some. And other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. See, that's what demonic people do. They fly into a rage when they don't get what they want. Anyway, that's a whole other sermon. When they brought... When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true? I'm going to give you one more chance before I light you on fire. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the, uh, the blazing furnace. 
And then what, what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar. Somebody say, O Nebuchadnezzar. We do not need to defend ourselves before you. Somewhere, somewhere along the line, somebody imparted some sort of faith into their lives before they came to this point that they got a little cocky when the devil got in their face. O Nebuchadnezzar. We do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Somewhere down the line, they knew that God was a deliverer before they got to that point. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. So somewhere down the line, somebody told him where the Ten Commandments said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And they said, I don't care what happens, but I'm not going to serve your God. You know the end of the story. They got through the furnace, not even smelling like smoke. Nebuchadnezzar started praising the God of Israel and and promoted those three boys. I want to read you two more verses from Psalms, and I'm going to let you sit down. Psalm 145.4. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. And Psalm 78.4. We will not hide these truths from our children. Say, I will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you for this time together, Lord. I pray that you bless this word you've laid on my heart, Lord. Help me to speak from a place of anointing, a place of faith. I thank you, Lord, that we're going to drive out. Hallelujah. Uh, every bit of unbelief in this house, every every bit of depression, every bit of, of, of captivity from the enemy. Lord, we thank you for the generational anointing that's coming down. We thank you for where, uh, we thank you that your word will not return void. And we thank you for where this next generation, this current generation, the older generation, everybody in this house is going and where they're called, what they're called to do. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On your way to your seat, high-five somebody and say an atmosphere of impartation. An atmosphere of impartation. Hallelujah. There's a generation. There's a generation that's in desperate need of impartation. You might say, what's impartation? In in simple terms, it's something I have on the inside of me and putting into somebody else. The anointing on the inside of me, putting it into somebody else. The truths, the revelation I have, putting it into somebody else. The stories, the testimonies, telling them to the next generation, just like those psalms say. Then there's a people who need to be willing to impart as well. Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples. That's a form of impartation, a command to preach the gospel and impart and show people the ways of Jesus Christ. That's a command of impartation. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, a command to demonstrate godliness and impart. That principle remains the same today. The principle does not have a limit on age. It doesn't say, you know, when you get to be a senior citizen, no more imparting. That should be the the prime time for you to impart. You are full of wisdom. You are full of experience. You are full of the revelation knowledge of the word of God, or at least you should be. When you're, when you're, when you're, when you're uh, in, in, in middle age or you're a young adult, maybe you're like, I don't know if I'm fully knowledgeable to impart. Impart what you do have. Pastor Chuck was just saying we have a generation that, that 
A lot of them don't really know the truths of the Bible at all. We have to establish that with them. We have to tell them that. And even the young people here that got touched at a youth conference, got touched in a service, maybe all you know is the salvation of Jesus Christ, but that's a great way to start to impart something into your friends, into your family. You got family members that might even be older than you. You can still impart something in them. I believe there's kids that came back just glowing with the anointing and the presence of God, and their parents said, what is wrong with you in a good way when they came back from a youth conference? Because God touched them. So there's no age limit to receiving impartation. You need to be hooked up to a good church. You need to be hooked up to a pastor. You need to be in a place where you can be imparted to. Thank God for a great pastor. Amen? No age limit to doing the imparting either. I want to talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they were believed to be somewhere between 11 and 13 when they got brought into captivity. 11 and 13 when they were brought into captivity. Let's think about something here. To be indoctrinated, like I said earlier, with the Babylonian culture, the language, the literature, the food, the ways of Babylon. To get the Hebrew out of them. To get the Jew out of them. To get the worship of Jehovah out of them. Three years of training before serving the king. They were going to get it out. That was the plan. And the Bible does not explicitly say this, but we can infer that they were probably pulled from their families during this time of captivity. I don't think they went to go see mom and daddy on the weekends while they were in captivity. I, I highly doubt that. But what that means and what that tells me is that somebody at some point before they were 11, 12, 13 imparted something into them put something in them, told them the truth of God, told them something that stirred up a faith that was history-making, that was culture-changing, that we're still talking about today, even though it happened in 600, 700 B.C., we're still talking about it today. Someone imparted something into them. Because out of all the people that bow, because listen, hey, there wasn't just Babylonians there. You got to think about this. The Jews were scattered during this captivity, but a lot of them, they said they brought a bunch of Hebrew boys and put them in this captivity. They didn't just pick three Hebrew boys. There was a lot of Hebrews there. There were a lot of people that knew of Jehovah, that worshiped the God of Israel, that heard about the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But when it came down to it, either somebody didn't impart or they didn't receive the impartation. And when, it, when, the, when the pressure was put on them, they all bowed except for three. So I think a lot of times we think that, you know, it was all these worldly people, and then there's the three godly people stood up. There were people that grew up in basically the Hebrew culture, right? There were plenty of Hebrews there. And, and, and only three were able to stand up because they, they received that impartation and stood for it. Out of the people that bowed, it was not just Babylonians. Babylon is a type of the world. Pastor Chuck said last week it's a type of confusion, captivity of the mind. It's a type of control. It's an anti-Christ spirit. The Christ spirit is a spirit of freedom. Anything that wants to control you is an anti-Christ spirit. And, 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 you know, there will be an anti-Christ revealed one day, but there's many anti-Christ spirits active on the earth right now. That's what the Bible says. The Hebrews, the Israelites, the Jews, they're a type of the people of God. They were the people of God at the time. They're a type of the Christians now, people in covenant with God. And Daniel's a prophetic book that contains not just real things that happen, but it, it talks about end-time things that are going to happen. You know, even in, in Bible college, they, they group Daniel and Revelation together. And in 1 Timothy 4, 
1 and 2, it says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Many translations say doctrines of demons. Doctrines of demons. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. And this is a picture of believers, I believe, that will turn away from the true faith when the pressure is on. We've got to impart into this generation what the true faith is. It's not just coming in the church and getting, getting patted on the back and telling everything's all right and, and, and you ain't got to fight for nothing. You ain't got to have, you know, just getting your ears tickled. You're hearing what you want to hear. It's not the church's job either. Parents in here, I'm not an expert parent. I've only been at it like almost three years now, so I'm not an expert, so don't throw, don't throw anything at me. But parents, we got to learn how to impart. We got to learn how to start, set standards. We got to go ahead and don't assume that they're just going to pick it up on their own when you send them to youth group, when you send them to church on Sunday. Don't assume that. You got to tell it to them. You got to demonstrate it. You got to show it to them. Amen? And that's what we're here to do. Now, we're here to help. As, as, as a church, we're here to help. We're here to supplement. We're here to plant seed. We're here to water seed. But you're also here to plant seed and water seed as well. And God does the increase. Amen? So this is a picture. In that, in that scripture says, turn away from the true faith. The word for faith there is pistis, the Greek word. The holy faith passed down from the apostles. There's got to be something passed down. The basic principles and doctrines that are foundational to the Bible have now become debatable by many Christians, many churches, denominations, whatever, so-called people on YouTube that think they can preach because they got 26 followers and they think they something now. On TikTok. They stole my joke at youth conference. I, I hadn't had a chance to drop it yet. They stole my joke. There's a pastor there, Pastor Alvin Key from Lake City, uh, Christ Central. He came and preached, and he said, you know, he said, me and my wife, we send each other Instagram reels, and that's how we relate to each other. And, my, and he said, he, he said we, but we don't get on TikTok. We don't do TikTok. But if you know anything about social media, that TikTok has been demonized. Then Instagram Reels is basically the same thing. It's like old TikToks from a week later that somebody posted on Instagram because Instagram said, I want that money too. And then even older is YouTube Shorts. Now, YouTube has their own thing. And now Facebook is showing the same Reels from Instagram. So we're all like, don't you be on that TikTok. And everybody's like, have you seen? Then, then your grandma comes and says, have you seen those cool little videos on Facebook? Those are really cool. Anyways. But these basic principles and doctrines have become debatable. It's not debatable. The word of God is not debatable. It's cut and dry. It's black and white. It says what it says. Now, I said there was multiple other Hebrews there that said they believed, but only three really believed. They said the God we serve is well able to save us. Someone told them about a miracle they had seen in Israel. Somebody told them that there was a ram in the bush when Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac. Somebody told him that when Joseph was brought into captivity and he was sold into slavery by his own brothers, God used him to deliver a nation and deliver food to Israel during a famine. Somebody told him about everything that he did to bring the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Somebody told him about water coming from a rock. Somebody told him about crossing a Red Sea. Somebody told him about Joshua leading the Israelites crossing the Jordan River. Somebody told him about David slaying a giant. Are you going to tell the next generation about the testimonies, the miracles? Are you just going to hope God just smacks them upside the head with it by osmosis? 
Don't even know what osmosis is, but it's a good word to use. We've got to let somebody know. We've got to contend for the Spirit of God. We've got to contend for miracles in this day and age so that they can see what you say, many of us, and I've even heard it, where they say, I remember the old times where we used to have this or we used to have that or we used to, have, we used to see this. You've got to contend for it now in this day and age. And I believe it's going to come again. We talked about a third great awakening. I believe America's going to be rocked again for the, with the power of God. It's going to be set on fire. If you believe that, give God some praise. Come on, can we get in agreement here? But it ain't just going to happen by osmosis, to use that word again. We got to do something. We gotta, we gotta, I want to be on board with it. I don't want to be these people that depart from the true faith, that turn away, follow doctrines of demons. I want to go after the true things of God. Amen. I want to hold true to what God said in his word so the next generation can see the real, unadulterated, unfiltered truth of the word of God. Got to impart something. The years before they got to the point of, of, of being challenged to bow were very crucial. I don't think we think about this enough, but I, God showed me this in studying this because if you're a youth pastor, you teach out of Daniel 3 like every three weeks. You just teach it. You got to, right? It's like, the, it's like the, the go-to scripture. But I never thought about this. They were brought into captivity 11, 12, 13 is what most scholars believe. They were pulled away from their family and everything they believed, trained for three years. I don't know how many years it happened from the captivity to the point where they got to bowing down to this, this statue. But before then was where the decision was made to not bow. It wasn't made in the moment. It wasn't made in the moment. It was made when a parent or somebody or a, 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 an elder, whoever it was, imparted to these young people. And the same thing has to, you have to realize now for your young people, for even people your age that God's called you to disciple, we've got to impart now. We can't wait till it gets down to the moment. Give them what you have. Teach them the truth of the word of God. You know, I'll use this because it'll get everybody going, giggling and uncomfortable. So, if somebody was tempted with sexual sin, we'll use a teenager. No one is at home. Your boo thing calls you and says, hey, my parents are not home and they ain't going to be home for the whole weekend. And you're all by yourself. Who whistled? Somebody whistled or that was a text? <laughs> so, anyways, perfect timing there on your Tweety Bird text sound. So, <laughs> the... The moment of, of the decision to not fall and not bow doesn't happen when the, that temptation comes. It has to be made years before uh, and a lot of time before you make the decision, when you give your life to Christ, to adhere to the principles and the standards of the Word of God. Not when you say, I'm going to think about it and we'll see what happens if I feel like doing it. Because that ain't going to work. You're going to fall right into it. And nobody falls and slips and just lands in the bed with somebody, Okay. It's the fact that you did not make create a standard back here years before. And maybe it could be a parent that, here's the thing, here's I'm just getting real with you. Sometimes parents struggled with those things and they felt like they can't teach a child. Even though they've been renewed and they've been redeemed, they can't, they say, I messed up when I was younger, so I can't really teach my child that. No, you can teach them. You've been redeemed. The Bible says old things have passed away. A new life has begun. So teach them the new ways because you've been redeemed. Even though maybe in the past you, 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 couldn't, you couldn't hold up to that standard that you're living now. But still teach them. 
You think they're going to hold it against you? So what? You in charge. They in your house. Come on, somebody. I'm going to get the parents and the older folks on my side right here. Come on. Well, here's the question. The formative years are extremely important. Before they got to the point, that was crucial. Are you setting an atmosphere of impartation in your church? I believe we do set that in here. But are you allowing your children to receive that? I'm going to get into that in a minute. Are you setting it in your home? Are you setting it in your sphere of influence? Are you just hiding that little light of yours under a bushel like the old song said? No, that's not how we should do it. Are we doing the imparting into our own children or we're letting somebody else do it? Because if we don't do it, somebody else is going to do it. Are we not doing it because we're too busy to, you know, I'm too busy to get to church with my kids. I'm too big, I'm too tired to pray with them and go over a devotional or, or read them a scripture before we go to bed, fall asleep when we get home. Maybe you're like, I'm too ignorant of God's word to share anything. Maybe you say, think it's the church's job. If we're not imparting to our children, someone else is. If we don't impart a standard, they won't be able to filter what's right and what's wrong. The Bible says, woe unto those who call evil good and good evil. We are living in that day. You know it. They are celebrating evil. And they are calling the, the, the Christian values, the Bible-based values that this nation was built on. And any successful nation that has done anything of significance has values built on that. Thou shalt not murder. Not killing people is built on this Bible. Not stealing from people is built on this Bible. A family dynamic, marriage, is built on the Bible. God decided a family before sin entered the world. God decided a marriage before sin entered the world. He chose that. That is not something that happened by cultural uh, society, whatever, that we made up. God created it. And there are principles that God created, and if you just get a hold of them, then we, we'll, you'll have success in life. Any nation that's successful has got a hold of these principles, whether they were considered a Christian nation or not. Do you set an atmosphere of impartation? Do your kids know about, is, is the house full of the things of God? Is the presence of God tangible in the house? But we have people calling evil good and good evil. We got to set that standard. We got to set that standard. We can't take for granted anymore that people have any kind of biblically based knowledge, that the generation is picking up anything you know, back in the day, we had Sunday school and Sunday morning and Sunday night and Monday morning and Tuesday morning and Thursday afternoon and Friday midnight. We had everything. People just grew up, and it was celebrated, and the culture worked with you on it. But now the culture wants to pull everybody out to, and put you on a on the hamster wheel and nine to five all the time and try to keep you out of church. You know, if a Muslim said, I, I got Ramadan, I can't make it, they're like, oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. But as Christians, we're like, you know, Christians, we can work with it. You know, we can go listen to our little sermon on YouTube and we'll be all right. You need to get in the house of God. You need to get in the house of God. All right. I'm going to get in trouble here. All right. We cannot take for granted anybody has any kind of biblically-based moral compass anymore, especially our children. They're in basically this Babylonian captivity. When they go to school, they're being trained. They're being trained. They're being trained every day trying to, and, and whether the teachers realize it or not, and it's not every teacher, I don't want to demonize teachers, but the, there's an agenda out there that wants to get into our kids that wants to train the Jesus out of them. And by the time they get to college, they have a, a mission to talk them out 
of believing there's one true God and, and possibly turn them into atheist or universalist by the end of the first semester. That's what they want to do. And, and, and we got to stand up for that. We got to stand up. Every app, every influencer, every celebrity, every show, every commercial, every news report, they're pushing the agenda of calling evil good and good evil. You can't celebrate Roe v. Wade because you might offend a friend. No, you need to celebrate it. Can we celebrate it one more time? Can we celebrate like you ain't been praying for it for 50 years, some people in here? But we even have mainstream Christian artists and, and preachers that are deafeningly silent on the issue, right? We have people protesting angrily and passionately for the right to do this heinous act. Like the world just ended or something, even though there's still going to be those, it's, it's going back to the states, basically, is how it's going to end up. And, and then uh, um, California might just fall off the face of the, the I'm just kidding. That's not fair. Oh, man. I know what Florida's going to do. Amen? Amen. People laugh at a baby being ripped apart in the womb and cry when somebody calls them the wrong pronoun. That's calling evil good and good evil. Woe unto those people. But we ain't those people. We're going to call good good and evil evil. There's, there's a standard. It ain't a gray area, like I said earlier. Does your home have an atmosphere of impartation? Do your kids hear you talk about God? Or they hear you talk about everything but? Talk about the gas prices. Talk about financial stress. Talk about your favorite TV show. Talk about a, a, a football team that you ain't got no investment in other than you like watching them on TV. They don't care nothing about you. They never heard of you in your life, and you screaming for them. Get you in church, you're sitting there like you're baptized in pickle juice. You need to be planting and watering the incorruptible seed of God's word every day. Do they see you pray? Do they see you panic and stress and freak out every time something bad happens? What's the first thing you do? Because the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. But in all things, with prayer and supplication, make your requests be made known to God. In NLT, it says, don't pray, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. I love it how it just puts it plain as day out there. They see you worship, or they just catch you listening to a bunch of garbage music you can't let go from the 90s and the 2000s. The, your, your club music you just love, you can't let go of it. Your R&B, your, your, your rap, singing about all kinds of smoking garbage and Drinking garbage and dancing garbage, cheating on people in the song. That's what they're talking about. Every single Usher song is about cheating on somebody, his, his girl. And, we're all, and people are dancing to it in the club. Yeah, whatever. That's a terrible dance. You want your rock music that you got, you work out. Play it around your kids. They're getting all depressed and angry. You wonder why you got holes punched in the closet. Got to listen to your country music. Oh, man. Hey, just be careful. I'm talking about the content of the music. I think the lyrics, what are they talking about? You cheating on somebody and getting drunk every Friday and riding down the dirt road with beer can in the <laughs> dash. You think, you know, uh, it ain't going to make no wasting away in Margaritaville. It ain't going to do nothing to my kids. That ain't even country. It's going to do something to your kids. At some point, they're picking up on it, and they're like, going to ask you a question. Mommy, can I waste away in Margaritaville? 
Oh, man. They see you read the Bible or they just watch you scroll your phone for hours? Did they see you listen to preaching or they just listen to the fear-mongering news reports on the TV all day? Do you get excited on Sunday morning when it's time to go to church? Or do you drag yourself to church like it's a chore? I try to get my child excited. I try to get my little baby excited about church. I try to say, we ain't watching Coco Melon this morning. We're watching Superbook. <laughs> Got to get him excited. Do you talk? Ooh, can't believe I wrote this down. Do you talk about the message from Sunday, or do you get in the car and say, well, I heard Pastor Chuck preach that 20 times already. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. You didn't get it the first 20 times. You got to keep preaching it. It's all right. There's people in this room. That's the thing about impartation. Don't get mad that Pastor Chuck took it back a couple steps and laid down some basic foundational things that may have been you heard before because there's new faces in here. They need to hear it. They need it built up. And you need to hear it again, too. So if, if, if you've ever read the Word of God all the way through one time, that God say, you did it. Come on to heaven. No, he's going to, you can read it again. There's as many times. Who's, all right, I'm going to embarrass some people. If you've ever read the Bible all the way through one time, raise your hand. It was hard. I did it before. I started like seven times and then finally did it once. Once you finished that, did, did you just stop ever reading the Bible again? No, you fell in love when it got back into it. Amen? And, and, and the same thing, don't, don't sit there and complain. Don't run all your frustrations with the church down in front of your children. It's not a good thing to do. Protect their ears. Protect them. Be careful what you say about God's anointing. The Bible says, touch not mine anointed. They picked on A lot of people don't know this, this story, but I just like debating if I wanted to go there. Read about Elisha and the she-bears. I'll just let y'all Google that later. They were mocking the man of God, and it wasn't good. Teach them to respect the pulpit. Take the ear pods, air pods, Beats headphones off their head and punt them across the church if you got to. You don't need to be sleeping in church. Have a reverence for the altar. This is a big one for me. I want to talk about it because I see it and it aggravates the um, H-E-C-K out of me. Okay? So have reverence for the altar. Let them get hands laid on them. Let them come up to the altar Maybe you're not comfortable with it. Maybe whatever. What what you got? You got a generation you're accountable for. Send them up there. Go up there. Just suck it up and and do it. You need to. That's the one of the biggest. You'll see anytime they pray and send somebody out into the ministry, they lay hands on them. Anytime somebody needs to receive something, the uh, uh, sickness in their body, they need healing. Hands laid. When 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 Moses passed down to Joshua, hands laid. It's, there's an importance with laying on of hands. It's a doctrine in the Bible, and there's an impartation that happens no other way but in the laying on of hands. Now, you got to have reverence for the altar. I remember when I was younger, um, my parents used to, if you had a big Holy Ghost blowout service, my parents used to, and I, this may mess up the entire protocol of kids' church, but they go check you out of kids' church, and they bring you up to the altar and say, I want my child to get touched by God. Some of y'all... Older folks have, have been there. And 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 I'm gonna throw this out there. You gotta you gotta watch your kids when they run from the altar. They're scared to be in the they're uh, scared. They're afraid to be in the presence of God. They're afraid God's gonna put his finger on something 
So they say, uh, uh, I got to go to the bathroom for the next 20 minutes. I got I to get, oh, I, um, I got to help the, 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 the children's church out. I got to run in there real quick. I don't want to. You got to watch it. You need to push them. You need to go find your kid. Your head better be on a swivel. Where my son at? Come up here. Grab your daughter by the hair as she's running to the bathroom and drag her. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it's important. You keep them away from the things of the Spirit, the move of the Spirit. They won't get to college. They're going to go in some dead TED Talk, dried up church, and think they're in a Pentecostal church and think something's happening. No conviction. You need to bring them to the house of God. Hallelujah. Don't let them hide behind serving where they get so busy that they never come in and hear the, the preaching. Anyways. They got to hear the, convic- the, the word of God. They got to get the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You got to teach them to fall in love with the one they serve and not just the act of serving. I've been there. I know I've been in the, I'm playing, you see me play bass. I've been around so many church musicians. And, and I, it goes for any act of serving in the church. But I've been around so many church musicians that love playing drums or love playing guitar, love singing. But they did not love God one lick. I'm telling you. They just wanted to be there and let everybody look at them while they're doing their thing. They just want something to do because it's fun. They have no commitment. Fall in love with the gift giver and not the gift. Are you modeling to them the way things should be done? You say, I don't want to force them to do it. I don't want to force them to do it. Tell that to their teacher. I don't want to force them to work on this homework. Tell that to the coach. Now, you're, I know you're making my boy run suicides on the basketball court for every turnover they had, but uh, I, don't, I don't think it's a good idea. I remember I was on a really bad basketball team. We had 26 turnovers in a game. That's a lot. Needless to say, we lost by way more than 26. I mean, we, was, we had to run suicides for every, if you know what suicides are, a lot of running, a lot of sprinting. We had to run that for every turnover. And eventually the coach gave up because one of the bigger kids on our team was just laying on the sideline. So uh, he was like done. Like he, it was too much. But tell that to the coach. Tell that to your boss. You don't feel like it today. You don't feel like coming in. They ain't going to feel like paying you. Amen. <laughs> we don't let people, see, we don't let our kids skip these events because the, the consequences are more immediate. They're going to kick you off the team. They're going to they're gonna, uh, uh, give you an F. They're going to whatever, not let you be part of the club. But don't let the devil trick you into believing there are no consequences for not bringing them into the house of God. Don't let the devil trick you because you don't see it immediately. But after six months of being out of church, you start seeing things. So, well, church is not a building. We're the, we're the church, we're outside, you know, we go outside the four walls, we're the church on the streets. That is true. It's not a building. The church as a whole, capital C church, but the Bible talks about a gathering together. The Bible talks about a community of believers. This is like your charging station. You can get filled up and go out and do what the church is supposed to do. But if you don't gather, you don't have accountability, you don't have impartation, you don't rub shoulders with somebody, iron sharpens iron. Hebrews 10.25, not abandoning our own meeting together as the habit of some people. Say, look at your neighbor and say, don't be some people. 
You don't want to be some people. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I had no problem going to the altar. I had no problem praising God when I was younger. I had no problem going to church. I had no problem serving. I had two parents that loved God and got a hold of it and imparted something into me. Amen. Give God some praise for good parents out there, godly parents. Come on. We're thankful for them. They modeled. The father and mother told me, you better get up there. And they go up there with me. Getting hands laid on you. Get me out of children's church. I remember I got filled with the Holy Spirit in children's church. The pastor came out and told the church, it was a small church at the time, that I prayed in tongues more than everybody else in there. He was, your kid was praying in tongues more than anybody else. And then a family got mad and quit because they, dumb stuff. I just want to tell that story. But anyways, uh, in most churches, it's, it's, it's just the women pushing. They don't have the fathers pushing. Thank God for two parents. My, my, they didn't come from the, the richest background. They didn't come from the holiest background. My grandma, and she'll probably be mad that I tell you this, but don't tell her I told you even though she's probably watching. But she... <laughs> She walked across, and y'all wouldn't believe this about Mamaw if you know Mamaw. She went across and got her diploma with a baby in her belly, got her high school diploma. But she didn't let that stop her. She got a hold of who she was in Christ. She had three boys and imparted into them. Then I got a dad that's always served God from that moment. It just takes one person to get a hold of what God's word says. It doesn't matter. My mom, her name's Deborah Scarlett. She's gone on to be with the Lord. Lost her when I was going into eighth grade. And, and, but before that, she imparted something into me that I'll never forget. But if you go back, if you knew where she came from, you wouldn't think she could, that, that, that a, a preacher boy could come out of her. She came out of a fighting atmosphere, a drug, alcohol atmosphere, trailer park trash, basically. I am so sorry if you're watching, too, but it's the truth. And the difference between everybody in her family was caught up in that, and they still are, a lot of them. I'm just going to say it because you got you to gotta say what you got to say. But the difference was she got out. She realized who she was in Christ. She got saved. She got her life turned around, and it just takes one person to break a generational cycle, a generational curse to get a hold of the word of God, to get a hold of the blood of Jesus in your bloodline. Hallelujah. Fathers, you can do it. I'm telling you, God wouldn't have asked you to be a father if you couldn't do it. God wouldn't ask you to be the high priest of the home if he wasn't going to put his grace behind you, put his anointing behind you. Some of us got to step out in faith. Hallelujah. The high priest. You're supposed to not just be a provider. Now, you are supposed to be a provider financially, but that ain't it. You're supposed to be a provider spiritually. And if there are fathers that don't provide financially, the Bible says some rough things about you. You are worse than an unbeliever. You have left the faith. You need to pray for their souls if they're not doing that. You don't need to pray for their dollar bill. You need to pray to get right with God. But a lot of them don't provide spiritually. Some fathers provide, but, but don't parent. They give you the money. They give you the roof over your head. I'm not an expert father yet, but I had a great dad growing up, and I, I see what he did. The Bible's full of bad dads. Eli wouldn't deal with his children, which led to Israel being defeated and them losing the Ark of the Covenant. King 
David, though we think about, we love the Goliath stuff and all that was great, but he, he had some struggles too. He wouldn't correct his son Absalom. He came in and took his throne. Children need fathers, not friends. Children need parents, not friends. Children need mothers, not friends. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. We got to take God's example of love. You're saying, I don't know how to lead. We'll start with God's word. See, see, Proverbs is, is basically an entire book of impartation from the wisest man that ever lived, King Solomon, to his sons. Start somewhere. Start imparting. Start reading the Proverbs with your children. It'll, it'll, and it'll just light a fire in you. I'm telling you, you got to get into the word of God. You only got 18 years to impart. Life is a vapor. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. That girl, that boy is out of your household. But you got too busy getting home from work, sitting in your lazy boy, cracking open your beer, cracking open your, 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 your TV dinner. I don't know if anybody eats those anymore. Yelling at your wife that she didn't make you a sandwich or dinner wasn't ready. And you sit on the couch and you turn on a, a basketball game, a football game, and you fall asleep before you even spoke to your children. You ain't got the time to do that. I get so aggravated. I wish I had more time today. I need like, I need like five extra hours. I need a, I need a 29-hour day and I'll be good to go. I just, I love my daughter. I love my wife. I want to spend time. I want to impart. I want her, I don't want her to ever say her dad wasn't there for her. But you got to get fully surrendered to God, especially as fathers. We got to redeem the time. It's not too late. See, the Bible says he'll turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers. Just say, as for me and my house. Yeah, y'all say it with me. Say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Make that declaration. Fathers, you can do it. Mothers, you're going to get it. If, your fa if the father ain't picking up the slack, God's going to put a grace on your life. Amen. Just receive that by faith. You're going to lead that household, and you're going to raise them up in the ways of God, and they will not depart from it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're almost done here. But, you know, the Bible is a, is a book of instruction. I talked about this a little bit. See, to be prosperous, see, we got to impart the Bible. We got to impart the word of God. I love how the NLT calls it um, the bo a book of instruction when it gets to Joshua 1, 7, and 8. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. See, we think the Bible is full of motivational quotes, Instagram story posts, fairy tales, cool little things we can know that happened, you know, it's, that's, not, that's not what it is. It's a book of instruction. It's a book. It's the life manual. It's the way. It's the truth. It's the life. It's the literal words of God. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's living and active. Come on, somebody, to the dividing of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hallelujah. Fall in love with the word of God. Teach them what it says. Teach them the hunger. Teach them the Bible. It's not a buffet that you can pick and choose what you want from it. You got to take the whole thing. The Ten Commandments aren't pick your favorite seven. It's the whole thing. Don't matter if you got a homosexual family member. You don't make an excuse for that. We still love them. We don't say, hey, you know, Aunt Judy, because it works for her. It ain't going to work for her in the end. You got to tell them the truth. And you ain't got to berate Aunt Judy. You can do it with, with respect and love. When the door opens, God will open that door.
But you don't, don't leave that out because you don't want to make your children uncomfortable. You're just going to confuse them. Now, hallelujah. Teach them what the Bible says about abortion, not what your favorite politician says. Teach them what the Bible says about race. Teach them what the Bible says. Don't teach your children to feel guilty because they're white. Don't teach your children to feel victimized because they're black. The Bible cripples a victim mentality. See, it don't matter if you played from behind in the beginning. You have been set up for victory when you receive Jesus Christ from now until eternity. Teach them about integrity. Teach them not to steal. Teach them about the one true God. Teach them the basics. We teach them this stuff like this. Believe in yourself, little Johnny. You can do it. The Bible don't say believe in yourself because yourself is going to be weak. Yourself is going to fail you. The Bible says believe in God. Teach them power and authority. Teach them power and authority over generational curses, over generational cycles, God said in the Old Covenant he would lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even to the third and fourth generations who reject me. Now, that's a generational curse, but that's under the Old Covenant. And then even the next verse after that, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. There's a thousand. Listen, it might have been four or six, whatever it said, three or four generations that was dealing but I got one person that got a hold of God's commands and started obeying, started getting their faith out there. I got a thousand generations coming after me. Somebody get a hold of that because Jesus was made a curse on a tree for us so we can stand up in victory, so we can be seated with him. You're adopted into the family of God. You belong to him. You don't belong to the old family. I don't care if your family hooked on alcohol. I don't care if your family's full of abuse. I don't care if your family's full of sexual perversion. Once you get a hold of God's word and once you understand who you are in Christ, none of that matters. I got a thousand generations. My daughter ain't going to be like that. My son ain't going to be like that. My grandchildren ain't going to be like that. My great-grands ain't going to be like that. Hallelujah. Teach them, I, I, I want to I get here and, and get to closing, but teach them that every mountain is movable by faith. Unbelief leads to a life worth forgetting, but faith leads to a life worth writing in history books. We're still talking about these people. Let me throw a couple names out there. Nobody remembers anybody's name that mocked Noah while he was building the ark. You don't remember any of their name, but you remember Noah and you can look up his family's name. Nobody remembers the ten spies' names, even though they're actually listed in the Bible. But nobody remembers those names. They only remember Joshua and Caleb, and their names are so great, you got non-Christians naming their kids Joshua and Caleb. Nobody remembers David's brother's names who said, you can't slay the giant. It's in there, but it's hard to remember that name. But we remember David. No one remembers the names of the people who had Daniel thrown in the lion's den. All we know is they got chewed up. Rarely do you see a name of a Pharisee that challenged Jesus. The rich young ruler, just known as the rich young ruler. You got 12 disciples that choose to follow Jesus, and you've got their names. Amen? And the other Hebrew boys, none of their names ever got mentioned. Just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Get the word of God in your house. And let it change the trajectory of your legacy. Let it change the trajectory of your last name. Let it change the trajectory of your bloodline. Come on, somebody. There's older generations in here. I want to let you know you ain't, you ain't done. You ain't done. I don't care if you're 99. You ain't done. Deuteronomy 34, 7. Moses was 120 years old, and when he died, 
when he died, and yet his eyesight was clear, and he was strong as ever. He was 120 years old, and he was still imparting. He climbed Mount Nebo. There's, y'all need to take a senior citizen trip to Mount Nebo, wherever that's at, and go and climb it. He climbed Mount Nebo before he died. And he didn't die because Mount Nebo was rough. He died because, and actually the Bible says that God buried him. He, could, he probably could have still kept on living. God was like, listen, come on, we just got to come on up here with me. Laid his hands on Joshua, his Oh, glory. Laid his hands on Joshua, his successor. The devil in the sound system. He don't like what I'm preaching. I'm just kidding. All right. Be like David. I want to read you this psalm of David. We don't think about David in his old age, but this psalm 71, you can read the whole psalm, but I'm going to read 17 and 18. Oh, God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood, and I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. Now I am old and gray. Do not abandon me, oh, God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. I like what Brother Colin said. He said, I'm not retired. I'm refired. Come on, if, you, if, you're, if you're over 50 in here and you ain't retired, you refired. Give God some praise. Some people don't want to show they're over 50. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to ask Pastor Porter and the worship team to come up. This is the key for impartation. You may have heard this. I don't want you as a, as a young person or anybody in this room to think that nobody imparted it into me, so I, I, that's why it's wrong. You've got to be able to receive impartation, and you've got to be able to get a hold of God for your own. Remember this statement. God has no grandchildren. God has no grandchildren. What does that mean? You are a son of God. You're not a grandchild of God. You're not a great-grandchild because it's been in your last name and your family. My family is Christian. You tell people stuff like that. Your family's Christian. That's great. I know a whole family could, could, could receive Jesus at the same time. But you have to receive. You have to say, I'm a Christian. I know God for my own. I am not. Uh, 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 you can't live vicariously through the faith of your parents, your grandparents, your aunt, your uncle. You have to get a hold of it. You can't even live vicariously through the faith of your pastor. You got to get a hold of it for yourself. If you're a young person, that's all your faith is based on, is that I grew up Christian. When you get to college, they're going to talk you out of it by the end of your first semester. You better learn how to go after God on your own. You better learn how to receive him on your own. Hallelujah. Impart what you have. So the next in line can stand up so they can make decisions ahead of time before the moment of pressure comes. Like I said earlier, they'll come out of the other side not smelling like smoke. They'll come out of the other side a success because they got a hold of the book of instruction. Amen. They'll come out of the other side prosperous because they got a hold of the word of God. They'll come out and the, and the, the persecutor, the enemy of them will give God praise and say, I don't know what's going on, but I respect your God. I got I to gotta say there's something real on your life. But we've got to impart something in them. God will promote them just like he promoted those boys. We think promotion comes from brown nosing and getting in, rubbing shoulders with the right people, making straight A's. Some of those things are good. But promotion comes from God. You've got to go after the things of God. You've got to understand God has no grand, grandchildren. 
God only has sons and daughters, and it really only has sons if you want to get technical with it. But don't fall asleep. I want you to stay awake. Everybody in here, stay awake. Could you stand up on your feet with me? Stay awake. The devil's looking for people he couldn't devour. Don't say, I don't feel like being a Christian today. Sometimes you don't, but there's somebody needing what you have. I don't care if you're 80. I don't care if you're 15 at a, at a school where everybody scoffs at God and everybody curses and everybody's vaping in the bathroom. You need to go after God and let him use you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't get so swept up in human life that you forget there's an eternity. Impartation is, is, is going towards eternity. It's going towards eternity. I want everybody to just lift your hands and just ask God, use me as a vessel of impartation. Come on, just, just make, that, make that decree to God. Make that prayer to God. I want to be used for your glory. I want to put something into the next generation. I want to put something into my family. I want to make a stand for you. I want to shift an atmosphere. Hallelujah. I want to be used. Because all it takes is one person. God's searching the earth. His eyes are searching. If one person can get a hold of it, Father, you can get a hold of this thing. You can get a hold of this thing and change your whole family, change your whole children, change the children, the wife, the children, the family you don't even have right now. I thank you right now. You get a hold of it. You get a hold of it. And God will change the trajectory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God will change the trajectory of your bloodline. You don't have to be like where you came from. Hallelujah. All it takes is one. Hallelujah. 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 You might have come from a broken home, but a broken home doesn't have to come from you. Come on, give God some glory. Give God some praise in here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. I want to do this. I want to do this before you guys sing. Hallelujah. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. I feel, I feel, I feel God on this. Hallelujah. We don't want to miss this opportunity. It takes nothing to go to hell, but nobody goes to heaven on accident. You go to hell by default. If you want to live a default life, you'll end up there. You want to live a life that where you're just on the hamster wheel asleep, nothing happening, nothing happening of significance. No reason for living. You're on your way, but there's a way out. Hallelujah. There's an intentional choice you can make to go to heaven, and it's as simple as accepting Jesus and accepting, accepting him into your heart, believing what he did for you on the cross. He died and rose again. Hallelujah. He didn't stay dead. He's living right now. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a historical fact that's changed the world from, since it happened. Hallelujah. God's plan to bring you back to him since the beginning. God wants to be close to you. God wants relationship with you. God wants fellowship with you. God wants to make it right. And it doesn't matter what happened before this time, but what matters is what's happening right now. This is your moment. Nobody, nobody looking around. I just want to do something. I want to I extend an invitation. There's only two types of people in this room. There's people that know Jesus and they're saved and they're on their way to heaven. Then there's people that have never ex accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their life. They're on their way to hell. Or maybe you're in here and you don't even know where you stand with God. You've been in such a, what we call a backslidden condition. 
you don't know where you stand with God and you want to make it right today, if there's anybody in this room, you're ready to change the trajectory of your household, the trajectory of your life. You're ready to get on, on track with God. You're ready to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If that's you, I want you to slip up a hand in this room. I want to pray for you before we get out of here. If there's anybody, you're not, you know you need Jesus this morning. Slip up a hand. I want to pray for you before we get out of here. Hallelujah. 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 If you want to make it right with God, a few more seconds. A few more seconds. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I see a hand back there. I see that hand back there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to ask if you put your hand up, I want you to come down to this altar. We want to pray for you. Come on, if you saw a hand go up, I want you to bring, bring that person down. Hallelujah. And we're going to do something, and we're going to get out of here. Hallelujah. Come on, give it up for him. Praise God. Hallelujah. This is why we do. This is why we do what we do. The best decision of your life made today. The past don't matter. The trajectory of your family is changed forever. Hallelujah. It don't matter what your last name is. Ha. It don't matter what your father did, your mother did, what they did or did not do. It matters what Jesus did. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want y'all just repeat after me and get the whole church to repeat with me. Say, Father God. Father God. I come to you today. I come to you today. In need of a Savior. In need of a Savior. Lord. Lord. I believe. I believe. That you died. That you died. And rose again. And rose again. For my sins. For my redemption. So I could be made clean, washed, white as snow. Right now, I make you the Lord and the Savior of my life. Come into my heart. Make me new. Hallelujah. Glory. Jesus. From now on. I will serve you with everything I have. I thank you. I have an eternal home in heaven when I leave this earth. And I have a purpose for this life on this earth. I praise you that I'm saved, I'm delivered, I'm free in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Somebody give God some praise. Y'all wait right here. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. I want to ask. Uh, we're going to pray over a couple people. I, I want to ask if, if the prayer team of Pastor Chuck and Pastor Karen, if, could you, would y'all mind laying hands on these, these young ladies here? And uh, they're going to pray for you guys. They're just going to bless you as you've received Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the past don't matter no Hallelujah. And then I want to ask, if you're a young person, hallelujah. Well, first of all, I want to just stretch our hands towards these people right here. Hallelujah. Come on, Lord. We thank you for those saved. We think they'll never turn back. We think that they're, gonna, they're set for eternity. Hallelujah. They're never going back. The past doesn't matter. All that matters is what you have for them right now and what you have in the future. We thank you for purpose to fill their life. We thank you for leading of the Holy Spirit for fire to fall on them. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I thank you that it's different now. 
Hallelujah. I thank you that the trajectory of their household will never be the same. I thank you. Hallelujah. Many will be saved in the household of these young ladies. Hallelujah. Their children will serve the Lord. Their grandchildren will serve the Lord. Their extended family will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. soul saved. I'm thankful. I'm always thankful to see souls saved. Hallelujah. We've been seeing souls saved almost every single week. We don't ever need to take that for granted. But let me tell you something. Keep it on your heart to impart. Keep it on your heart this week to impart. I'm going to pray over you as you go before I pray. There is a sign-up sheet in the back. We want everybody that can come out to be a part of this family fun day we're going to have out here. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a full time full of joy, fun, we're just going to hang out with each other. We're going to give God praise and we're going to eat. Amen. That's what. That's, it's going to be awesome. 
Amen. It's going to be awesome. So make sure you sign up for that. Even if you're not bringing something, we'd love for you to bring something. It'd be great, right? I mean, come on. Bring some drinks at least. That's what I'm doing. Um, but you can sign up back there on that sheet. Don't miss it if you plan on coming. We want to get a head count. And uh, no, we got prayer this Tuesday. It'll be our last prayer uh, of June, and we won't have it during July. And also, we have engine this Wednesday, and then we're going to take two weeks off for, for engine youth. So we'll have it this Wednesday. Make sure you're there for that. And uh, we just want, I want to thank Pastor Chuck again for this opportunity to share with you guys. Love you guys. New Harvest Church loves every one, last one of you. And let me pray over you. Father God, we thank you for what you did this morning. We thank you for the soul saved. We never want to take it for granted. Lord, fill us with a fire. Fill us with an anointing to impart from generation to generation. Hallelujah. We thank you that it just takes one person to get on fire for God to set a trajectory. Hallelujah. To change the trajectory of where we're going, where our family's going. We thank you. We're never turning back. We're going forward in you. And we thank you for everything you've done this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.